The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hey everyone, welcome to the Roto World Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I am Matt Straup. It is Friday, January 29th, and today we are here as always, on Fridays, to break down some recent fantasy trends. We're going to look at Brooklyn's big three and how they are performing since the trade, since Kyrie Irving came back, plus the rise of Hawks' second-year forward DeAndre Hunter, and much more coming up in just a second. For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. I'm joined now by Ryan Knaus. Uh, Ryan, how are you? I'm well. I'm excited to dig into some players with you, Matt, because I feel like this is the point in the season when you can stop saying, all right, small sample size, you know, th- this doesn't mean much. And we can really say, okay, more, you know, a dozen, 15 plus games for, for a lot of players. This is when the rubber meets the road and we, we start to determine, are these early season flukes or is this who the who this guy is? But I reserve the right to continue saying small sample size oh, sure. if it serves my purposes and it's a player that I'm hoping is still going to turn it around. Well, of course, we've, we've all taken one-on-one rhetoric courses. We can we can play things to our advantage. All right, let's start this in Brooklyn. Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant have played five games together, minus one that Kevin Durant sat out. So quickly, the numbers for those three in those five games. Kyrie is sitting at 29 points per game, 5.2 dimes, 2.43s in 40 minutes per game, which should be fine, right, Ryan? The guy has had no issues staying on the court, no durability issues yeah. for him. So just just completely run him into the ground. That makes sense, right? Of course, yeah. I think that's the way to do it. <laughs> okay. James Harden is at just 20.6 points per game, but 6.8 boards, 11.4 assists, and 3.03s. He's playing 41 minutes per game. And Kevin Durant in the four games he's played – uh, sat one, as I said, 30.3 points, 8.5 rebounds, 4.8 dimes, 2.5 blocks, 3.3 threes. On a related note, he's good. 
So clearly, Ryan, the blueprint here is, for now, James Harden does a little bit more facilitating. I've noticed he gets a little more time with the second unit, where it's Harden and four backups on the floor Mm -hmm. sometimes. But basically, you're not seeing Kyrie Irving take a hit at all. You're not seeing Kevin Durant take a hit at all. You're seeing James Harden's numbers slightly adjusted. Do you think that this is sustainable from multiple angles? I mean, do you think Harden is just going to be okay with this indefinitely, which is hard to imagine? And do you think that, you know, all, all of this, when you look at these numbers, what are your impressions? So a couple questions there. I think for one thing, it does seem sustainable. I mean, you have three of the greatest basketball talents on the planet, and they can each do so many things that if one guy is dominating scoring on a given night the other players can facilitate and find their own plus they do not have I mean DeAndre Jordan leads the NBA by a wide margin and effective field goal percentage but he doesn't need to touch the ball unless he's getting an offensive rebound or or another board so there aren't other players that they need to keep happy and really involved in the flow I mean Joe Harris will get will get high volume three-pointers that and so forth but these guys all have usage north of 21% when they're sharing the court and I think that is sustainable. It, for Harden, there's a bit of a feeling out period. I mean, he's literally at less than half of his per 36-minute scoring rate from last season. Uh, he was averaging 33.9 points per 36 last year. He's at 16.6 points per 36 currently with the Nets with Kyrie back. So less than half. I do not see that holding up, you know. Um so there's there's a bit of he's deferring, you know, getting the team flowing and in the process, by the way, leading the NBA in assists per game during this stretch. So like I said, they, they all do so many things. KD is just being KD, filling it up across the board. Kyrie has become essentially just a shooting guard alongside Harden, but an elite one at that. And Harden, as I said, I mean, triple-double threat every night. And him scoring half of what he used to can still be 20 a game. So... I'm thrilled, and I'll circle back to what you said when this trade happened, that getting Harden out from under the the cloud of a potential sit-out because he was unhappy, you know, all of that mess is behind him, and now he can just go out there and play. Yeah, it's it's going about as well, to your point, as you could possibly imagine, I would say. My only concerns now at this point are like, how does Kyrie Irving hold out playing 40 minutes per game? I don't think that's sustainable. And I mean, to me, I think Kyrie is still a guy that I would – be looking to move in fantasy leagues. I, I just I still think he carries as much injury, but but I think when people have him and he's going well, it's really easy to just be like, well, this is going great now again, so everything's fine, and you just kind of get complacent or lazy or whatever it is, and you just like ah, this is this is great. I don't need to do anything with this, but I still think he's a guy who you should be looking to trade if you can get like a top fifteen ish type of player back. Yeah, I'd go further and say even if you have to take a bit of a haircut on it and take a second round value, I'd flip him for a guy like Donovan Mitchell, who typically isn't in that. I mean, he's he's on a tear right now, so maybe that's not the best example. But, you know, a player that's generally considered a tier down from that upper elite just because mm-hmm. of the sheer uncertainty. I mean, Kyrie walked away and didn't play in six games and gave no real explanation as to why. He just needed to take care of things and sort himself out. And that's fine if he wants to give up $800,000 or whatever it was that he, that he, he seeded in doing so. And a guy with durability issues in the past just for simple health concerns. So, yeah, I'm not eager to have him on any of my teams for sure. Yeah, and I mean, maybe it's one of those cases where we've talked about this before in the past where one way to disguise your intentions would be to, you mentioned Mitchell, but offer Kyrie for a big guy of 
of comparable value. And then you're disguising hmm. a little bit as, hey, your team needs point guard stats. My team needs rebounds and blocks. Like, this makes sense. Let's do this. I like this. you. A, a misdirection. I like that. <laughs> Look over here. <laughs> Quickly, a few other names to just discuss in Brooklyn, because I think it's worth noting when we talk about that five-game sample. Jeff Green has hit double digits in all five games. He's sitting at 12.2 points, 5.2 boards, 2.0 assists, 1.0 steals, 1.83. is playing 32 minutes a game. So I think Green felt like a guy who, oh, he's just going to fade away. And not that he's an exciting fantasy player or anything, but a deep league player of note. DeAndre Jordan, meanwhile, is averaging 10.4 points, 5.8 boards, 1.8 blocks in 23 minutes. Right on the line of, like, useful. The 1.8 blocks are nice, and he has some good games here and there. And then you have Joe Harris, who is playing 37 minutes per game during this run, but just 11 points. 2.0 2.0 assists, 4.2 boards, 2.83s. My concern there, Ryan, is he actually has only hit double-digit points in two of those five games. So I think fantasy-wise, of all the guys we've talked about, Harris is maybe the one I'm most worried about, even though he's playing a lot of minutes. Yeah, he seems essentially like a three-point specialist. And if he's not hitting at a, at a high clip on a given night, what else is he going to give you? The defensive stats won't be there. Maybe he gets five boards, but there's not much to prop up his value. Um you mentioned I, I don't trust Jeff Green at all. He's shooting like sixty percent over this five that's game right. sample. Like something something silly that's hey, we can refer small small sample size. Don't uh don't don't trust Jeff Green. But you know, on the other hand, DeAndre Jordan, who I have as a desperation center in, in one league, he's checking the boxes. I mean, if you have him for big man stats and he's getting a block and a half per game and shooting 86% from the field uh, over the past five games, even if that comes down, you know, he's filling the categories that you need him for. He's not going to the free throw line, so you don't care if he misses the one time he gets there per game. And that's that's why you have him on your squad. If you have DeAndre Jordan on your roster, you can't... It's almost better if you don't watch the games because like when the Nets play overtime, he's usually out of the picture as they did on Wednesday against the Hawks. Right. I think he played twenty low 20s minutes in that game. Looked good early and then basically was invisible down the stretch as the Nets went small. So you kind of have to be willing to accept that, that as these other guys are completely going off, you have a DeAndre Jordan in the box score with like six points, eight boards, <laughs> and two blocks, which, you know, it, it can help your fantasy squad. So, yeah. None, none of the others on Brooklyn are going to be scintillating guys to have on your roster with, with this top-heavy crew. Right. All right, well, as we talk about the fallout from this trade, Ryan, I wanted to quickly get your thoughts on a guy I can't remember if I told you we were going to be talking about, but Torian Prince. Did I tell you that we were going to talk about Torian Prince? You did mention Torian Prince. Oh, yeah. good, good, good. Yeah. Uh, in five games since being traded to Cleveland, he is sitting at 12.6 points, 4.6 boards, 3.8 assists, 1.2 steals, 1.0 blocks, and 2.23s, shooting nearly 49 from the field, nearly 88 from the line, with just 1.4 turnovers. Not That stat line, if you were going to get that for a player season long, I'd be very, very excited about it. And in many ways, this is a very un-Torian Prince stat line, you know, uncharacteristically good in assists and blocks. But my reaction is, Ryan, anytime a talented player changes destinations and starts to play better it does get my attention i mean am i buying in to this not entirely but am i dismissing some improvement from prince to where he's legitimately fantasy relevant i would say no wait knows the answer right not dismissing it okay go ahead i, I think you phrased that correctly um uh, <laughs> i will also not dismiss his hot play for a couple reasons 
the first and most important, I would say, is that he plays for the Cleveland Cavaliers. So this is a team without an established real, really front court rotation. He's under contract, fully guaranteed next year. He's 26 years old. So do they view him as a real part of their franchise going forward? Quite possibly. You've got guys like Dylan Windler, who's playing quite well. Dean Wade, they might want to get in the mix. They do have Isaac Okoro starting at small forward. So there, you know, there are some roadblocks, but... I can see Prince averaging 24 to 28 minutes per game the rest of the way. Uh, Larry Nance Jr. is out with injuries right now, could potentially become a trade target down the road. Uh, Kevin Love, who knows, prime, prime shutdown candidate. And Prince is versatile enough to play a couple positions, so I like what he's doing. Do I think he'll shoot 49%? I don't. He's career 41%, so split the difference. Call it 44. That's fine. What I don't know how to answer is his career-high assists. What did you say? Almost four per game. 3.8, 3.8 in his last five games. Yes, yeah, so I mean, obviously playing a different role. I haven't watched enough Cavs games to say explicitly how that's coming about, but that gets your attention. A couple of those games would have been without uh, Garland, so I would note that. Right. Do you have any any faith that he can keep these assists up? I, I don't know is, 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 I guess, my takeaway. The assists would be awesome if, if he could carry through. It's weird to me because he seems like he had become such a three and maybe D guy. Like, he just seemed like he was a, a corner three specialist, you know? Yeah. But I haven't, I will confess that I do not watch the Cavs very often. That is one of the, my least watched NBA teams this season. So I probably need to sit down and watch a little more Cavs footage. I mean, he's a skilled player. And just looking at his game by game, I don't think we're talking about a situation where it's like boosted by one outlier assist total or anything like that. So the assist really started when he got to Cleveland. His season high for Brooklyn, now he wasn't playing a ton of minutes, was two. But then four, one, five, four, five. So, I mean, it would certainly seem like that he's being used a little more as a facilitator, as a playmaker. You mentioned Garland being out. Larry Nance Jr. has been out as well recently. So, I don't know. I mean, look, his last game, though, 16 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 blocks, 3 threes. This is a guy who really should be rostered everywhere while we see how this shakes out. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with your opener, which is simply that when a guy goes to a new team, especially a bad team with not firmly established rotations, and he's playing for a coach who recently raved about him and his versatility, that has to get your attention. And you might as well grab him and, and see how it goes. And Prince pointed out that he's had five different coaches in the past five years. So this is a guy who's who's used to adapting to a new system, used to adjusting quickly, and that's exactly what we're seeing. So I hit the nail on the head with my opener, and then we just kind of talked about it for like <laughs> meandered around for about seven more minutes, and we should have stopped. Okay, got it. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. At participating McDonald's.
With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com/activecash. The greatest show on grass returns as golf's biggest stars head to Phoenix for the Waste Management Open. Coverage begins Thursday on Golf Channel and don't miss the premiere of NBC Sports Edge Betcast. A whole new way to watch golf. Get a better's view with insights and analysis plus live odds powered by PointsBet. Get inside the action at peacocktv.com/golf. Are you up against the clock to get your waiver claims in or maybe you just can't decide who to start as tip-off approaches? You can save time and make the best decisions imaginable with our all-new NBA League Sync tool. League Sync pulls in all of your team and league info from Yahoo to show you who the best available players are on the wire, who you should start, who you should bench, and much more. Let League Sync do all the work and you can take all of the glory. Get League Sync, our DFS tools, and our draft and season tools as part of the Edge Plus Pro tier. Go to rotoworld.com slash edge for more and use promo code NBA Pod 10 for $10 off any annual premium package. All right, Ryan, let's take a trip to Atlanta here. We're seeing a somewhat somewhat serious breakout, second-year breakout from DeAndre Hunter. For the season, he's sitting at 17.9 points, 5.6 boards, just 2.3 dimes, 0.9 steals, 0.5 blocks, 1.83s, elite percentages, almost 52 from the field, 88 from the line. And over his last five games, he's around 22.5 points, 2.0 steals, 1.83s. I mean, as we record this, DeAndre Hunter is a top 40 guy in nine category leagues, Ryan. I watch an ungodly amount of Hawks basketball. And uh, <laughs> I mean, the guy just looks like a different player. He's he's assertive. He's attacking. He's There's times where he gets the ball and just essentially says, get the hell out of the way. And uh, I think this is very much for real. Yeah, I, I would 100% agree with you. And I because I was seeing the numbers roll in and couldn't quite believe the the growth that we had seen, I went to NBA.com and just watched a sequence of his layups for like eight straight minutes. <laughs> and, and yeah, just his ability to finish and his handles look much improved. It just his court awareness. Um, obviously, his defense is much improved as well. So it's not just a one-dimensional change. This guy really worked on his game during however long the Hawks had off. You know, they eleven were years. Of the... They were they were <laughs> sidelined for eleven years. And you can see. So now now he's on the you know the verge of retirement. So you got to get it while the getting's good. Uh, but but no, he he truly looks like a different player. And obviously, nobody saw this coming because he was drafted in only thirty-six percent of Yahoo leagues. Uh, he was drafted below teammates Kevin Herter and Cam Reddish, who went at 132 and 133 in terms of average draft position. DeAndre Hunter was down at 142. Uh, I actually got him off the waiver wire on December 28th in a league with Matt Straub. So uh, apparently you, you I don't want to have... hear that. I do not want to hear that. <laughs> I had too many I, I Hawks on that go... roster already, I think. <laughs> okay. I thought you were in that league, so I had to go twist the knife a little bit on that one. Um but yeah, I mean, he's he's top 100 for player impact estimates just behind John Collins, who, let's not forget, thinks that he's a max player. So that's the level of efficiency Hunter's playing with. And I, I don't see Bogdan Bogdanovich really bumping him off when he comes back. Two of the Hawks, I think, 
Yeah, their two highest net rating lineups with at least 10 minutes played both include DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish, too. So I love that, that they're playing next to each other. And those lineups, by the way, have John Collins at center with Trey Young at point guard. So pretty interesting stuff, and I I think it's sustainable. But I defer to you as our resident Hawks expert. Yeah, I agree. And, I mean, it's funny because, you know, he's 23 years old. He came into the NBA as, like, a very seasoned college player. So I think... There was some expectation that, oh, this guy, you know, sh- this should carry right over. You know, he was such a stud at Virginia. But he did show some really encouraging signs his rookie year, even though he wasn't great for fantasy purposes. And I'll say this is a classic case where I was a year too early in fantasy because I had him in basically every league last year when he really wasn't worth having on your roster. And I kept waiting for it. I mean, he had some stretches where it was worth it. But, yeah. So... I don't have him on any roster. I have Cam Reddish on every single roster. And I do want to talk about Cam Reddish now because he started off shooting poorly and has missed a few games recently due to injury. But he has three 20-point games in his last six, including a 24-point explosion on Wednesday against the Nets. During those last six games that he's actually played, he's at 15.8 points, 5.2 boards, 1.8 steals, 2.03s, still shooting just 41% from the field during that span. But that's really the blueprint for reddish is he really can be a almost two steal per game guy and two three per game guy if you watch the hawks play for for 10 minutes you're going to see cam reddish deflect a pass or cam reddish jump in a passing lane or just straight swipe the ball from somebody i mean he is truly elite hand hand usage i mean dude the guy is just a, a a guy who could lead the league in steals one day i think has that kind of potential and he has a clear role his field goal percentage has kind of been a problem but I think he's got a lot of fantasy upside still. And as a guy who, Ryan, I think has probably been getting dropped in some fantasy leagues by people. Probably because of relatively slow start being overshadowed by DeAndre Hunter, among others, and just really poor shooting, uh, 37% on the season. He was even worse for most of January or has been. I'm glad that you have faith because, as you say, you, you know, you you see him more than I do. For sure, the steals numbers are there and he'll take a lot of threes whether or not he makes them is another question but a guy who won't hurt your free throw percentage can collect some boards i guess i just don't see that pop to the next level of upside like sure he'll be a serviceable maybe two cat guy for you but can he you know sustain that without hurting your field goal percentage can he chip in at least enough assists not to be a drag in that category can he block any shots for a guy with it with the defensive awareness you're describing and you know athleticism and mobility he has one block in the entire month of january which is hundreds of minutes of action so that's you know just those nagging question marks i have plus where do the minutes come from once bogdanovich is back once gallo's minutes limit is lifted there are just a lot of players on this hawks roster that that need playing time there are but reddish his lowest minute total all season is 24 and in most nights he's up closer to 30 or upwards of 30 I mean, look, here, here's the thing. This guy, despite some shaky shooting, really passes the eye test for whatever you put into that. I mean, he there were multiple plays on Wednesday night where, you know, he's driving left, finishing over Kevin Durant with his left hand. I mean, he's just, he has all of the tools to be a flat-out star in real life and in fantasy. The jump shot is kind of the variable, the, the big variable, I think, and mm-hmm. seems to kind of come and go. So yeah, I'm not going to say that he's going to be like a guy who shoots 48% or anything, but I do think he can be a guy who shoots 42, 43% and just doesn't completely destroy you there while while being kind of a dynamo in other areas. And he averaged half a block per game last season. So as a rookie, so 
he shouldn't be a nothing there, even though he has been lately. I'm obviously just completely blinded by my my Cam Reddish love. I, I can't even. I, was, I don't even sound rational here. But I was but I just do about think, to say, I can hear you talking yourself into rostering Cam Reddish in every single league you're in. Oh, there's no talking into it. It's already happened. I mean, I have his jersey. This is. I, I legitimately. Yeah, I really like Cam Reddish. So take it as you will. But I will say rationally to you. I do think it's a mistake to drop him. If you ever had that thought, not that you were going to do it after his big game on Wednesday, but right. if you did it recently, you blew it. Fair enough. <laughs> okay. Uh, just two more names here on my list, Ryan. I don't know if you have any, but I want to quickly talk about Kelly Oubre. His first nine games this year, he was pretty awful. 10 points per game on 33% shooting. That includes 13.3% on three-pointers. However, the last nine games prior to Thursday... He was sitting at 14.2 points, 5.8 boards, 2.0 dimes, 1.1 steals, 1.0 blocks, 1.73s. Field goal percentage still below 42 for that improved stretch. But ultimately, I feel like because of the slow start, keeping his season-long numbers in check, even though Oubre is playing better right now, he's got a couple duds in his recent game log. I still think he's a guy you can probably get in a trade for something not too ridiculous, and I think acquiring him would be a good idea. Do you agree with me? I do indeed, yeah. Probably his fantasy managers, despite a couple good games recently, are a bit disappointed. The playing time hasn't been huge. He, re- I mean, his shot was really off for the first couple weeks of the season. But to me, if you draft a player coming back from knee surgery, playing for a new team, he's less than a year removed from uh, arthroscopic surgery to repair the meniscus in his, I believe, right knee. And he's playing on a new team. So how do you not bake in like, okay, I'll give him a month grace period. That's what I would have done. Like anywhere I I have Ubre, I'm like, okay, I'll just sit back, take my lumps early because he's not going to shoot 37% from the field. That's going to improve, not drastically. He's only 43 for his career, but he's going to be north of 40 when it, when the dust settles and he's not going to shoot 23% from downtown. And he is in a great system for his strengths with the Warriors and Steph Curry distracting defenses and they they want to get out and run and Draymond Green is just a willing and fantastic passer. I mean, the pieces are there for him to succeed and just go out and be a defensive menace, give the team some energy like we saw uh, the other day against the Timberwolves. He was fantastic despite some foul trouble. So I like where he's at. I think patience is warranted and there's still probably a bit of a window to go get him at a discount. So I I would recommend that. All right. Last name I want to hit Ryan is DeLon Wright happens to be on a pretty serious hot streak. His last four games, 16.8 points, 6.0 boards, 6.0 assists, 2.0 steals, 0.8 blocks, 2.03s. Very nice, even numbers there. But in the 11 games prior to that, DeLon Wright averaged just 5.3 points and was basically unplayable in fantasy. So <laughs> is there any reason to think he can find some semblance of consistency moving forward? Like, do you, How much stock do you put in this recent streak of four games versus the 11 that came before, or you know, all the games that came before it? Um, it's a good question. I, I don't expect him to suddenly be averaging 25 and 6 going forward, but... I definitely thought he'd be better than what we've seen recently. But the greatest reason for optimism is that Derek Rose is is D. Rose. He's playing well, but he's often injured. The Pistons are adamant, basically, that he's going to come off the bench so that they can manage his minutes. 
you know, we see him get sporadic DMPs and busy stretches of the schedule, etc. Now you have Killian Hayes, who was the big roadblock for DeLon, right? Well, he's out. He's not even going to be reevaluated until late March. So that gives DeLon a serious window of time to operate, to really take the reins of the offense. Nobody's threatening him as far as I can see. So the minutes should be there. The touches should be there. And he's at his best on ball. That was part of the awkwardness early on as they were moving him around different positions. Hey, you're a scoring guard one night. Now you're on ball. Now you're, you know, just different rotations, new players playing with a lot of, frankly, teammates who are struggling. So tough to get dimes as a point guard and run that offense. So all of these factors, I understand why he struggled early. I think the breakthrough that we've seen, you know, maybe he doesn't stay at those heights, but it signifies his actual talent level. So I'd go get him with the huge asterisk that when your fantasy playoffs roll around, especially in head-to-head leagues, you might have Killian Hayes returning and just destroying DeLon Wright's value. Yeah, that's a bummer. But I will say like Detroit is the perfect bad team for good fantasy numbers because they've been in a lot of their games their games are not like you know 45 point losses where the starters are out and it's just scrub city for the entire fourth quarter like they're they're decently competitive and losing games so it's it isn't a very nice cauldron for fantasy success yeah and delon Wright has a good relationship with coach joint casey so you've got that added sort of uh kitsma going for him (laughs) kismet kitsma what did i say Kismet? Is that what you mean? You Kismet mean? is what I meant. Did you say Kitsma? Kitsma. <laughs> Something about Kyle Ryan, Kuzma. I don't know. Ryan has coined a new word. Yeah, DeLon Wright is the ultimate example of, man, please just give that guy more minutes. I was trying to remember this when I was writing. I think I was trying to remember this when I was writing a column last week or the week before for whatever reason. I was like trying to think of examples of this. Man, if that guy just got minutes, he'd be a stud. DeLon Wright is has all of the tools to be a fantasy stud or at least like a low level one you know with the assists and steals and boards and all that it's just consistent playing time has really been the issue yeah all right well that is gonna do it for us don't forget to subscribe to the show and apple podcast on spotify wherever you listen take a brief moment to rate and review us as well if you would we'd appreciate that we are going to be back on monday as we always are with some waiver wire pickups i think next week we're starting a third episode ryan news here that's Big exciting news. big news monday wednesday friday starting next week is it going to be so, a, a thematic podcast, some specific? Or? I don't know. Okay. To okay. be to be determined. I might even oh. be calling you for an appearance on that occasionally. Okay. We'll talk. You and I will talk offline. Okay. We're going to be here Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, though. So looking forward to that. Hope you all have a great weekend. Ryan, thanks for taking the time. Thanks to all of you for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Did you? I didn't hear you. Did you say thanks, Matt? <laughs> yeah, but my... <laughs> thanks, Matt. <laughs> yeah, my throat gave out. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.